You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the Rand Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from Rand's latest research and commentary. It's January 4th. In his annual New Year's address, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un stated that international sanctions must be lifted before North Korea gives up a single nuclear weapon. Prior to this, Kim's latest demand, Rand's Bruce Bennett wrote that because North Korea has not denuclearized, and in fact the regime appears to be increasing its nuclear strength, now is not the time to reduce U.S. pressure on Pyongyang. The United States should instead consider proposing a freeze on North Korean nuclear weapon production. This could be achieved by having North Korea halt production at four key kinds of nuclear weapon facilities, of which there are about 10 in the country, and then monitoring the activities at these facilities. Bennett says that a freeze would be a key test of whether Kim Jong-un is sincere about his promise to denuclearize. The Marriott data breach is the latest major cyber attack to make headlines. These repeated incidents have contributed to Americans' increasing pessimism about sharing personal data with the government and private companies. So what might happen if public outrage over cyber attacks leads consumers to broadly opt out of the tech tools that rely on their personal data? According to Rand's Douglas Young, losing the unending flow of data from Internet users will threaten the sustainability of database technology. Tech companies, he says, need to prepare for this, especially if those that hold consumer data keep giving people good reason to opt out. The Trump administration's plan to withdraw troops from Syria means the United States is now relying on Turkey to counter the threat of ISIS. Rand's Colin Clark says the Islamic State has already established an infrastructure in Turkey, and the U.S. withdrawal could breathe new life into the group. This would endanger Turkish forces and civilians in Turkey and allow ISIS to make a comeback in Syria. Moreover, Clark says the Turks have often demonstrated a reluctance to take on the Islamic State directly. President Erdogan's security policy has historically been one of either-or, choosing to focus on fighting the Kurds over the Islamic State. In fact, Turkish leadership has often ignored ISIS altogether. The only way the Trump administration's gamble to leave Syria could pay off, concludes Clark, is if Erdogan breaks this pattern and follows through on his promise to destroy the Islamic State. Marijuana use among teenagers in Washington state appears to have declined in the years immediately following legalization. In a recent study, Rand researchers found that, among 8th graders, prevalence of marijuana use fell from 9.8% to 7.3%, and among 10th graders, use fell from 198 to 17.8%. This drop is small, but it is statistically significant. These findings contradict earlier estimates about the impact of legalization. Project lead Rosalie Pakula says that the study showcases the importance of using better data to follow trends in adolescent marijuana use. A variety of factors influence teen behavior, she says, and understanding them can lead to more informed policy decisions. Are the United States and China in a new Cold War? Many observers of global affairs have made this argument, but the analogy is problematic, says Rand's Ali Wine. While the two powers are engaging in a long-term competition, there are many ways today's tensions between Beijing and Washington differ from the Cold War. For example, the United States seriously weighed the possibility of a nuclear exchange with the Soviet Union during the Cold War. 
At the core of the U.S.-China contest, however, is the structure of the world economy and the mastery of frontier technologies. Additionally, the United States and the Soviet Union each presided over blocks of ideologically aligned partners during their standoff. But today, few countries are inclined to choose the United States or China. These and other key differences mean the United States will need to manage the China challenge differently than it did the Soviet threat, says Wine. And Washington will have to balance intensifying competition with the need for sustained cooperation. There are over 18,000 police agencies in the United States, but there is no national database or single objective source that shows these agencies the most effective strategies for fighting crime or how to put those strategies into action. Rand researchers wanted to change that, so they developed the Better Policing Toolkit. It helps law enforcement determine which interventions work best in certain situations and which don't. The toolkit details three highly effective policing strategies. They are focused deterrence, intervening with high-risk groups and individuals to prevent future crimes and violence, problem-oriented policing, addressing crime in high-risk places, and legitimacy policing, which focuses on building community relations and trust, including interventions that help ensure the police are perceived as trustworthy and unbiased decision makers. Project lead John Hollywood explains that all of these strategies are built around the idea of mutual trust and respect between police and the public. Quote, This notion is important not only for improving relationships within our communities, but also for making them safer places to live. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. See you next week.